Do you like my water bottle? That's it's very nice. It's satin with my shirt. Yeah, wow. Um, wow. So, Father, I just thank you for the opportunity to, to be up here today to, to come and speak truth and life. Holy Spirit, we pray that the word would be fruitful. Lord, that you would utilize scripture to enlighten our path. Lord, so that we can walk in the power and the mercy that you have for us. God, thank you for your great love. Amen. I love coming up here on a Sunday morning when everything leading up to it, the worship, the transition, speaking about fruit and being fruitful in our giving is, is, is just a declaration of what God's doing. And I hope to just continue that as I speak today. This 21 days of prayer and fasting has, has, has been really, really exciting and enjoyable for me. Actually, I had a, a really good start um, because of God's presence has just been so thick in this place. And I can I encourage you, when you get an opportunity, whenever it is, day or night, not just across these 21 days, but let's dig into prayer. It just made such a massive difference to our life as we walk with Jesus. Every day throughout this week, I've just had such a... a a deep sense of his presence and Jesus with me. And, and it makes a real difference to the way that I do life and the, the way that I see life. And, and, and for the first time, probably in, in a long while, I've, I've just been able to, this last week, just really rest and, and feel rejuvenated. I don't know if anyone else had a really crazy 2021, but it's been such a, a pleasure just to do life with God this week and just feel that real rest and that real peace, which is great because I'm about to face the kids coming real soon as school gets back. What a blessing it is to work there as well with these young people. In any case, I'm talking about prayer and a a quote which I love is from Charles Spurgeon. If you don't know him, he's a um, a theologian. This is what he goes on to say. He says, prayer is a natural outgushing of our soul in communion with Jesus. Prayer is the natural outgushing of our soul in communion with Jesus. You know, I love this explanation of the communication that we share with the creator of the universe. It's an outflowing, an outgushing of our heart, of our soul, as we share open communication with him. And this morning, just as we were praying out um, in the square on Sunday mornings, if you want to get here early, we've got prayer for the service. Feel free to come and join us. But I was just once again reminded about the fact that Jesus tore the veil and there's nothing separating us in that communication with the Father. We don't need to go to the priest. We can go directly to him and that is such a privilege that we sometimes take for granted. But you know, being a father has actually taught me a lot about the heart of God and that communication that we have with our kids you know, I fondly remember times when my kids just run up to me and they found something so exciting to share with me. And it's like, oh, daddy, daddy, this amazing thing happened. And, and, and I remember not so long ago, actually, we were driving along the Bruce Highway and Matthias like, daddy, daddy. And I'm like, yeah, what's, what's up, Matthias? And he's like, big truck, big truck, big wheels, bigger wheels. And he was so excited about seeing this truck. And, and 
and for me, I'm just like, you know, common sense will tell me that there are trucks on the Bruce Highway and they've got big wheels and, you know, they need that to carry their load. But for him, this was so exciting. And, you know, it does something in a father's heart because all of a sudden, I just love this. I just get caught up in the excitement of the moment. And I want to share his excitement with him, even though it's just common sense. It is super exciting. And then I start talking with Matthias, and I'm like, yeah, Matthias, where do you reckon the truck's going? Do you see the wheels? They're going faster and faster and faster and faster. And I start talking in a funny voice, and, you know, we've all been there, right? I've seen a couple of people come over to Ava and just say, hey, goochie, goochie, goo. You know, the little voice, just see a smile on their face. I don't know. It does, it does something in your heart, right? And I wonder, when I'm praying to my heavenly Father, you know, when I contemplate the small things in life, like when I, when I pray and gasp out at, at, at the sculpture of the universe that God shaped it with his hands, I wonder, does he have a smile on his face? Or when Holy Spirit reveals to me more of the character and nature of Christ, the sacrifice that he made for me and you, so that we can have eternal life, so that we can be forgiven from our sins. I wonder if he shares in that gratitude and that thankfulness When my prayers and my life are filled with pain and with grief and tears, I wonder if Father, Son, and Holy Spirit grieve too. Growing up as a young man, there was a Christian artist by the name of Eli. He's probably not super famous, but I like to listen to his stuff. And he penned a song by the name of God Weeps Too. And I'll read you the chorus really quickly. It goes, God weeps too, God weeps true. Though we question him through all that we go through, still it helped me believe and my pain it does relieve when I think that God weeps too. And the point is that prayer is an intimate invitation for us to meet with God. It's an open invitation for us to communicate with the very source of life. For us to share in God's world and for God to share in our world. That's prayer. If you've got your Bible with you, can you turn with me, please, to Matthew chapter 6. We'll just read verse 9 and 10. I believe it'll be coming up on the screen. This then is how you should pray. Our Father. Our Father. Let that revelation sink into our very soul and our inmost being this morning that the King of the universe is our Father. And you know, Monday at the prayer meeting we had here, Pastor Ben asked us to pray through the Lord's Prayer. And we got together in groups, and I just could not get past these two words, our Father, because I was so struck by the fact that God is my Father. He's your Father. He's our Father. There's a personal, intimate connection there. 
Might be so. Might be that every time we open the scripture, when we read passages like that, that it actually speaks to our heart directly. And that we would be absolutely flawed by the conviction, by the reality that God is our Father. We are His sons and daughters. We are royalty. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Today I'm going to be talking about this concept of being or praying from a place of connectedness. And and I love Crystal's word last week, how she shared with us about the benefits of praying from God's word. And you know, the two things that happen when we do that is that not only are we echoing the very words of God, but we also are capturing his heart. And I want to thank you for that, Crystal, because it's actually had a significant effect on my life as I've been doing that more this week, just delving into the word and praying from the word. And the other thing that that does is it actually aligns my spirit, my mind, and my soul and brings it to a place of honouring God. See, as we read here, Jesus is telling his disciples, and he's imploring us today to start our prayer with a focus on what is most important. It's him. It's a revelation of who he is, an understanding of who we are, and a giving a glory to where it belongs. God is sovereign and reigns over all. God's bigger than COVID. He's bigger than Putin. He's bigger than any situation that we will face. He is the sovereign ruler of all. That's in this place. In this place of putting God where he belongs. Sovereign ruler of our life. We will start seeing prayer that is effective and powerful. Can you turn with me now to the keystone passage for today? We're going to jump over to the book of John. And we'll be reading a few verses today, so bear with me. John 15, I'm going to be reading through verse 1 through to 17. To give you a little bit of context for the scripture as you're finding it, in this text, Jesus is meeting with his disciples for the Last Supper. And it goes over a couple of chapters here, but Jesus is communicating some really important truths. This is just before his betrayal and crucifixion, and he's telling them the things they need to know, the really important stuff. And there's so many good passages in this this little section of text, but none more so important than what we're about to read. I'm the true vine, my father's the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away, withers like... 
Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burnt. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to be the Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this to lay down his life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I call you friends. For everything that I have learned from my Father, I have made known to you. Amen. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. Look, to be honest, there's so much gold in that passage. We could be talking for months on this scripture, but today I'm just going to be gleaming a couple of key principles, I believe, that is going to push us and propel us into prayer that is powerful and effective. My prayer is that Holy Spirit would allow the words of the scripture to be illuminated so that we can produce fruitfulness in our lives and in our prayer. God, do what only you can do today. And so let us begin by asking this question. Are our prayers coming from a place of intimacy and abiding in Jesus? From a place of connectedness to the true vine. See, here in verse 1, Jesus establishes himself as the true vine. By implication... And lived experience, we know that there are many different vies, many different priorities that vie for our attention in life. And if we allow ourselves to these priorities, these attentions can lead us astray. These false vines such as pride, ambition, self-indulgence, lust, addiction, among many others can lead us down a garden path down a road we don't want to go. For those of us who have walked some of these priorities, lived through some of these things, had some of these things grip our heart, we can testify that they lead to nothing but ruin and heartache. When Jesus says, I am the true vine, what he is saying is that he reigns supreme and that he is the only priority. He is the only thing that can bring us life that leads to life when we are connected to him. You know, the amazing thing is that oftentimes in Scripture, God uses the natural to reveal the supernatural. He uses the natural to reveal the spiritual. And here, once again, we see it amongst this metaphoric language of, of, of vine and branch and, and fruit. What we see is truth apparent. A branch can never originate from two different vines. A branch cannot originate, cannot stem from two different plants. A a branch is always connected to one plant. And likewise, in our life, 
We cannot be connected. We cannot be rooted in a love of God and the love of money. It's not possible. Likewise, we cannot be rooted in a love for people's appreciation, for people's opinion and worship at the altar of Jesus the Messiah. It's not possible. It's one or the other. There's no sitting on the fence with this. Our prayers, our whole life needs to be rooted and connected into the vine, the true vine of Jesus. Apart from that vine, we can bear no fruit. We can do nothing of any significance and value. Let's look now then at verse 4 and 5. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Hope point, if we are going to have prayers that are God-honoring and effective, they need to come from a place of connection to the true vine. Colossians 1, 15 to 17 puts it like this, and I love this imagery. Just listen. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Him all things were created, things in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones, powers, rulers, or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. He is above all things. And in Him... In the true vine, all things hold together. Oh God, let it be. Holy Spirit, let it be that the prayers of the people of Hope Point are connected to the true vine, the ultimate source of life, that our motivation to pray would come from an intimate and deep relationship for you, for it is from this place that our prayers will be fruitful. Let's turn now to verse 7. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Once again here, as echoed throughout this whole passage, we see our great need to be connected to Jesus. Here, however, there's this interesting distinction. See, earlier, the condition to being fruitful, the condition to having our prayers answered, the condition was being connected to the vine. But here, Jesus says something interesting in verse 7. Look, he says, and my words remain in you. And my words. So what's going on? What, what is Jesus doing here? What is he trying to tell us? And, you know, I love John Piper and unashamedly would advocate for his website, Desiring God. Fantastic guy, and I love his preaching. He has a message about this very topic in um, John 15, verse 7. And he so elegantly puts it in his sermon that what is happening here is Jesus is giving us the means by which to abide in him. How do we abide in Jesus? How do we remain in the vine? Well, it's actually very simple. By allowing the words of Jesus to live in us. 
It's not just the reading and the memorizing of Scripture. It's the living Word of God. It's the Logos. It's Holy Spirit abiding in us as we read, as we live, as we breathe the Scripture. You know, I had recently someone tell me about this dude called David Hogan. To my shame, I hadn't heard much about him, but this is a radical man who's doing radical things and having breakthrough in his ministry. You know, he's done everything from raising the dead and seeing the blind um, healed to having relationships restored and thousands come to Jesus. This guy is wild. He looks like a bit of a wild fella too. He's got his cowboy hat on and a big goatee. And anyway, he's a pretty cool sort of dude. In a conference recently, um, David was asked by the presenter, among other things, he said, what does the church need to do today to see revival? What is the word that you would give to the church? And being a very complicated sort of guy and really thought through, he said, look, it's going to be a three-step process. And he said, first, the very first thing you need to do if we're going to see revival in the church is we need to seek Jesus. And he said, you know what, the second step is just as important. It's really vital. What we're going to have to do if we want to see revival is we have to get with Jesus. And then he said the third one. The third one is the most crucial step of all. If we want to see revival and breakthrough, then we need to seek Jesus. <laughs> you know, the truth is, it's not rocket science. It's not rocket science. Jesus' source of his power was his deep and intimate relationship with the Father. If we want to be people that see change in our community and in our families, then we need to get with Jesus. We need to have the same commitment. And if we do, our world will never be the same again. You know, Hope Point, maybe it's high time that we start going without. Maybe it's time that we start making time in our schedule to spend time with Him, to get in the secret place, to get alone with Jesus. You know, maybe it's high time that we do whatever it takes to do to get to that place. Not everyone has to go to the mountain, but maybe that's what God's calling you to do. And if it is, let's do it. Not everyone has to go out in the wilderness and spend 40 days and 40 nights fasting and praying to get close to Jesus. But if that's what he's calling for me to do, that's what I need to do. He's not calling everyone here to quit their job, to go on a sabbatical, go to a school of the supernatural and to get close to Jesus. But if that's what it's going to take, let's do it. What do we have to lose? You know, as a church, we are reaping the benefits of Pastor Ben and Rachel's sacrifice to get closer to Jesus. He'll hate me for saying this, but a few years ago, as a family, they heard the voice of God. They left everything behind and they chased pursuing that voice. And that voice took them to Bethel and the School of Supernatural Ministries. And they spent a whole year with young kids and family there to find out, to hear the voice of God for their family. And let me tell you that the results are self-evident. And God's got more in store. If we want to be people that are effective, if we want to be people that have prayers 
that see through. We need to get with Jesus. We need to get with Jesus. It's answered prayers like the sick getting healed. Go talk to my brother Josh. He'll tell you about some amazing stories this week of people getting healed. It's happening in our midst. If we want to see revival in our city, if we want to see the young people of our nation being released from the bondage of addiction, we need to get with Jesus. Ask, and it will be done for you. No point do we want those answers, and we need to have the living word of Jesus residing within us. You still with me? Verse 8. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. You know, I've probably read that passage of Scripture, I don't know, hundreds of times, and it's just gone straight over the top. But something this week, you know, like God just gets you in those spaces where the Spirit starts speaking to you, and and it really stood out to me, and and I'll read it just once more again. This is for my Father's glory that you bear fruit, showing that you are my disciples. Because once again, poetically, it's all about God's glory. Layer by layer, as we unpeel the Scripture and passages here, yes, it's about um, seeing answered to prayer. Yes, it's about living in connectedness with God. But what is the result? The result is His kingdom come. It's the resounding, hallowed be your name, that we find in Matthew 6, verse 9, we read before. When we live the powerful life that God has in store for us, He is glorified, and things change, and things happen. You know, furthermore then, in verse 11, I find it so fascinating. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Consider for a moment what it means to carry the joy of Jesus within us. What does that mean? What is the joy of Jesus? Let me tell you, the joy of Jesus is the unfailing acceptance, the unwavering approval, the unfailing love of the Father because Jesus made God's commands down to the letter of the law. He left heaven to come to earth, born in a manger, lived a life as a carpenter. He left his throne room to be crucified on a Roman cross. He did everything that the Father commanded him to do. And because of that, there's such great love between the Father and Jesus. Can you just imagine the love that is shared within the Trinity? Father, Spirit, and Son in perfect communion. That is the very same love That is the very same joy that we carry. The joy of Jesus living within us. If it's true, what do our prayers look like? If we carry the joy of Jesus Christ living within us, if we carry the joy that the Father has for the Son and the Son has for the Father and the Holy Spirit, what does that look like in our lives? Maybe it'll start having an influence on the way that we pray. The fact that we carry the joy of Jesus Christ. 
Let us then tie all of this up, and then we're going to spend some time as Holy Spirit just ministers to us. We're going to go back a step into verse 9 and then verse 10. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commands, and remain in his love. To know Jesus is to know love. Patient, kind, committed, unselfish love. The truth is that Jesus' nature, his very character is inseparable from love. He is love personified. It's the very nature of Christ. 1 John 4 verse 16, 17 puts it like this. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. And here it is. Whoever lives in God lives in love. And whoever lives in love lives in God. Hope point. If we want to live a life that is fruitful, if we want to pray prayers that are powerful and effective, they need to come from a place of love. It needs to be birthed out of this place of love. What use is it if I'm praying for the sick and I have a motivation, anything other than seeing those sick be restored and healed? What use is it for me to be praying for revival in my workplace if my only motivation is to see self-glorification? Say, look, God, look what I did. It's completely useless. What use is it in praying for revival in our nation if our heart isn't for the people around us, the people who are lost, the people who are caught up in all of the things around us? Our motivation has to be love. 1 Corinthians 13, I love this passage. just puts it so beautifully. If I speak in the tongues of men or angels but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge and have the faith to move mountains but have not love, I am... Nothing. (laughs) This one's really challenging. If I give all my possessions to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I might boast, but have not love, I gain nothing. To know Jesus is to know love. To connect to Jesus is to connect to the source of love. To abide and remain in his love is to abide and remain in the true vine. If we're to see answers to our prayers, hope point that we need to come from a place of love. And I might ask the band to come up. If you're around, that'd be fantastic. And so based on the principles that we find here in John 15, as recorded Jesus' words speaking to his disciples, if our lives and indeed our prayer is to be connected to the true vine, We need to put Jesus as our highest priority. 
They cannot be any other. Let our prayers be connected into the words of Jesus as we seek him out in the quiet and secret place, cherishing and following his voice. Let our prayers be carried by the joy of Christ we carry within us. And finally, let our prayers be lavered and surrounded and covered and consumed by love. A love for God and a love for people. John 15, 16 and 17. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. May it be, I prophesy that over our church today, that we have been chosen by the Lord Most High to have an influence in our community, to bear fruit, to pray prayers where the sick will be healed and the lost will come home. Fruit that will last, fruit that is meaningful, Fruit that changes lives. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. And so I'm going to give us an opportunity. I really felt that in theme of what God's doing today, what Holy Spirit is speaking, it's going to take five or ten minutes And let's just take an opportunity to seek Him. Let's just take an opportunity to connect to the true vine. And if that looks like for you, sitting in the seat, that's fine. If it looks like standing up, that's fine. If it looks like lying on the ground or kneeling or pacing up and down or standing in the aisle or turning around or doing a cartwheel, whatever it takes, let's do it. And so as the band plays, we're going to do that. We're going to seek God. We're going to cut out the distractions. I know we've got beautiful kids around us and whatnot, but we're just going to turn our affection and attention towards him. And then we'll finish our meeting up.